Open your Bibles, if you would, this morning over to, if you would, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We'll get there here in a second. This is our second week in our better series, and we're looking at what it takes to take your good life and make it even better. How many enjoyed last Sunday? All right, good, good, good. And, and I'm hoping already this week you begin to practice the idea of letting go of the good so that you could grab hold of the better. And, and, and last week, I want to kind of go back to that verse that we began with. And, and we're not going to put it on the screen. This is just from memory. I'm going to say it, and then we'll all say it together. Psalms 8410, we looked at how for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Remember that last week? I'm going to say it one more time. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Let's all say it together. Ready? For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Let me hear if you've got this memorized for yourself. Ready? Go ahead. Ready? For a Amen, amen. And so last week, if you missed the series last week, please go back and listen to the podcast. And we looked at the idea of well, how do you have a day with God? You know, I mean, obviously, to be able to have an invitation to come into the presence of God Almighty on a daily basis, to live life in communion with Him, to live life responding in obedience to Him. Isn't that awesome that we have that opportunity? And so last week we looked, if we're going to make life better, we better include God. Amen. And so this week we'll be looking at something else, but what we're going to learn this morning, okay, is super detrimental. And here's the thing, we're either going to learn it today, or we're going to learn it on our deathbed, all right? I'm I'm telling you right now, we're going to learn it today, or we're going to learn it on our deathbed. And I pray that today we'll learn a principle, and it will change how we do life, you know? Because when people get to the end of their life, they would give anything to have some of them opportunities again, right? Isn't that how it is? I mean, you always hear the story. Somebody's at the end of their life, and they would do anything to be able to do life again, to parent again, to, to be able to have, have, have that, that, that relationship with their wife again, or whatever it may be. They regret things on their deathbed, and I want us to work hard today to learn how we can regret less when it comes time for us to go, to go home to see Jesus. And so sometime you're going to have an opportunity to ponder your life. Okay, and you will. You'll have this opportunity, and maybe you already do this. You begin to ponder your life, and like a movie, you start playing things back, you know. And there's things that you regret. I'll be honest, I regret something that happened last night, and I can share it because Amy's not here. Last night was at Auburn. Where's Aubrey? Aubrey? Last night was her senior soccer night, and so that's where the fathers and mothers were going to step out and, and, and meet the child and walk her in her arm and all that good stuff. And, and Amy had said, because the baby was sick all day, she had said, you know, I'm going to stay home with Arden and you just go. But then Amy had made up her mind that that wasn't what she was going to do. And she was going to go with. And she decided that about five minutes before we're supposed to leave. Husbands? So the thing was... Grant had went with his buddies down to Target. He'd walked with friends. And, and if we had told Grant ahead of time, buddy, be back at this time because your mom was going to go with us and you're going to stay home with baby Arden, guess what Grant would have done because he's such a fine young son? He would have been back at that time, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> He'd been back at that time. And so the thing is, we didn't tell him why. Because Amy wasn't going. Until five minutes before we have to leave. Then she says, hey, she comes down in a beautiful dress. I'm like, what you doing, girl? You look good. She's like, I'm going with you. You are? You know? So now I'm not nice. And so I'm, I'm all, 
worked up in front. No, 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 no. Well, I'm mom and I want to be there. Well, I get it. We had this conversation two or three hours ago. I didn't realize that you were going to change. Well, where did you think I was? I don't know. She was up getting ready. I didn't know. I should have known. I had Arden and Mac with me. I was doing some work around the house, and I was keeping the babies with me so she could get a break. Why? Because I'm a good husband. <laughs> and I knew she was going to be spending the evening with Arden while I was gone, so I was trying to give her. I didn't know that she took that as a, you know, I'm going to go get looking good, and she looked good. Shaved the beard and everything. <laughs> she, she's beautiful. And so <laughs> to close this up, I was ugly, and I wasn't nice, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I was late for everything, and, and, and I'm not much better, and, but I'm, you know how that is. You always point the finger, and I was so frustrated, and, and, and now you're going to ruin my night with my daughter. I didn't say that. I just thought it, and, um, and, and, and man, we get, you know what? We had an incredible night with Auburn, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did, but Daddy almost ruined it for Mama, you know? She was fussing. She was upset with me. She didn't want to talk to me. I go in. I pay them what we have to pay, and she's still not talking. We're sitting watching the game. You want to talk to me, woman? Oh, I call her a woman. You guys didn't know that. That's a term of endearment. She loves it. <laughs> oh, really? It started on our, on our honeymoon, just woman, you know. And so and she, I'm not ready to. That's what she said. I'm not ready to. Well, you know, as a man, that means fester, right? <laughs> Come on. Please. I'm, not, I'm stupid, please, I'm just dumb, you know, and um, so all I'm getting at is, <laughs> all I'm getting at is, those are things I'm going to look back on and regret, and thank God we got through that quick, and we enjoyed our daughter's night, and she didn't know all that was happening behind the scenes, but my ugliness could have really robbed it, you know, well, there's a lot of us that's going to get to the end of the life, and we're going to look at the movie of our life, and as we look at the movie of our life and ponder things, we're going to have a lot of regrets. There's a lot of things that we wish would have been, everybody say, better, better, and so with the idea of the movie, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, we're going to get to a bunch of word here, okay, but with the idea of a movie, when we're thinking about things that are better, and we think about things Let's say in quantity, because more is always better, right? So a lot of times in a movie, how many takes movie snacks in with you? Anybody? I do. I do. I'm not going to spend, I, 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 will, I will take chicken wings into a movie theater <laughs> if I'm not with Amy, if I'm not with Amy. But, um, but no, I take movie snacks ever since I was a little guy, and my main movie, movie snack is this right here. Not popcorn, not candy bar. That's a beautiful, shiny package of rainbow bubblegum. How many enjoy a good bubblegum, you know? Oh, yeah. And so that, this, this rainbow, now here's the thing about rainbows is you always got to find them where they got three yellow in them because those are the best flavor and the green are the worst because it's like watermelon. And so I won. I got a three and a two. And that's, you'll never find one with one watermelon and four. That would be awesome. Okay. So I will take that. At the beginning of the oh, oh, movie, um, I put it in my mouth. Oh, it's good, you know. So one is good. But the rainbow it represents one of the lies of our culture. You know, it really does. Because the lie in our culture tells us for years. And it tells us this about everything. It really does. If one is good, what is two? Two is better. <laughs> oh, yeah, every, every time. So... This is me watching a movie. Am I telling the truth, kids? And mom's just like, stop chewing so loud. <laughs> but we live life this way. We do. We live life. If one car is good, you know, two is 
Yeah, if, if one nice pair of black dress shoes are good, two's better, right? If, if one steak is good at Golden Corral, remember last week's sermon? Two is? No, three, three. <laughs> and listen to this, if having one kid is good, five is better. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. We just got five kids if you're a guest. And so the thing about it was that when it comes to gum, it's not always the case. It's kind of like wives. If one wife is good, two is, uh, two is trouble. <laughs> so, see how that worked? That was awesome. All right. So all I'm going to say these for later. Those are so good. Mm. And so when it comes down to life, the issue goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, this, this desire for us for more. Shout more. And it sounds like it's better. It sounds like it's such a good thing. But from the very beginning, God creates man and woman in the garden, gives them so much. To, as I've taught before, even on Easter Sunday, we said it to multiply and to have dominion and to subdue the earth. And that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? That sounds better to me. But when it came down to it, God said, you're going to eat from every. Say every. That's a lot. You can eat from every tree in the garden, but you can't eat from this one. I mean, all this stuff, just one that you can't eat from. And then Satan comes along, and did God really say not to eat from that one? Listen, Adam, Eve, really, really? Because here's the deal. If you do, you'll be like God. If you get a little bit more, you'll be better. If you're just, just that longing in your heart, just one more thing, you can have all this and multiply and subdue and dominion. That sounds great. But one more, and it will be, everybody say better. But the problem with it is, it's not like that. You know, to Adam and Eve, you got everything, but you don't have what you need, is what he was saying. And when it comes to us, we have everything, but sometimes we feel like we don't have what we need to be happy. We don't have what we need to walk in peace. We don't have what we need to be satisfied. We don't have what we need. And so why don't we get what we don't have? Just one more. Everybody say, just one more. Why don't we just get what we don't have? have and and we see that in purchasing and we see that in in dating and we see that in in so many aspects of our of our life you know and more is always better it seems but the thing is more is always better than less is what we've been taught but I can remember a rain blow experience in junior high my folks were kind of holiness when they really got involved in the church and I'm um, dad got saved and life started turning around they went holiness so I didn't see a movie in a movie theater until I was up in like junior high I could go with a friend to the theater because they weren't going to go to the movie house glory to God you know and so as a junior high I go to the movie house with a friend and um man I have my rain blows but I also have popcorn because more is better and I have pop rocks you ever have pop rocks oh wonderful don't snort them but wonderful <laughs> I've been told that'll do some things um, but then I had this blue raspberry slushy on the way home. We had stopped at like a 7-Eleven. And long story short, I lost it all in the yard. I mean, halfway between my house and my buddy's house, just lost it all in the white snow of Ohio, <laughs> just to give you a good picture. And went in the house and ended up having a coma. I mean, it was just, it was way too much, much too much. It, that, the idea of more, it was, it was less. It wasn't better. It was less. And so our takeaway for today is this. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter 
all right? So that you can have more of what does. I love it. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to read a passage and memorize it together today. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter so that you can have more of what does. And it's so counterintuitive to our culture because our culture just says, give me more, give me more, until we're choked. We're choked by our hunger and desire for more. And, and the things that are, seem less would be so satisfying if we just get the junk out of our mouths, you know? So here's what the word says. I love this. In Ecclesiastes 4, 6, it says, Better is a handful of quietness. Another translation says tranquility. We're going to use that word today. Than two handfuls of toil and a striving after wind or a chasing after wind. Do you see that? Better is a handful. Say a handful. Of tranquility than two handfuls of toil. Everybody, let's say that together. Better is a handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil. Say it again. Better is a handful of All right, we're going to close your eyes. You guys ready? Close your eyes. Better is a handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil. Father, we ask that over the next few minutes that you would help drive this principle even deeper into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. This idea of one handful living, this idea of one handful that's full and another hand that is open. Why is one handful better than two? If I've got one handful, guess what else I have? I got a free hand. Free hands are good, right? Right? Free hands are good. Come here, monk. Watch this. Watch this. I got a free hand. I got one hand full, but watch this. I can get monk right up here. Partly because you, you, he's, he's mighty but light, but he's mighty, okay? And so one handful, I can help somebody up if I've got one handful full, but I keep one handful open. I, I, if somebody needs encouragement, guess what? If I have one handful full and the other one free, then I can encourage that other person, you know? If somebody needs a hug, you know? And I got one handful. Brian, do you, where do, you need a hug, buddy. No, <laughs> I can, I can, Blake, do you need a hug? Do you need a hug? You know, but if I got one handful free, I can, I can give encouragement. I can give a hug. I can bring support. I can offer strength, if that makes sense. My problem is if I've got two handfuls that are full, you know, and somebody needs a hand up, stinks to be you, right? He ain't heavy. He's my brother. I know, but your hands are both full, you know? If somebody's in need, well, you know what? I get it that you're in need, but my hands are so full, I can't reach out to take care of what you're, you're going through, if that makes sense. So better, better, better. Listen, better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. And Jesus, he, he taught us this. This is talking to me. Can you hear that? Let me, I usually mute that. There we go. That's my ADD is going to drive me nuts hearing that chirp all day. Jesus, he takes us into a story to give us a picture of this. And he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard. He's talking to his disciples. And he tells them, watch out. That's what being on your guard is. Be watchful. Get aggressive with your eyes open about what's going on. So watch out against all what? Covetousness. Covetousness or greediness or, or wanting more. Gimme, 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 gimme. 
And God is saying, Jesus is saying, watch out for that kind of a heart. Because that person's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He told him a parable. He said this. He said, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. I've got enough stuff now, you know. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you prepared, whose will they be? So is this who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich, not rich towards God. Now, this isn't necessarily a sermon on money, but it can be. That's a sermon on tithe. That's a sermon on relational equity. It's a sermon on, on your physicalness. It's a sermon on everything about life. But in this situation, this is what it's like for someone who lives life for the more, the more, the more. They're chasing after the wind. And it comes down to the spot where Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You're missing the closest relationship, the most important relationship, because you're chasing after everything else. And you say, relax, eat, drink, be merry. I've got it all. Yes, but you're missing the reward of God. And I'm going to add a few relationships. I know this is kind of not there. Obviously, the reward of the Lord, his presence in your life, like we talked last week, would be that first reward. But also, I would think this. I'm chasing after so much, I'm missing out, and I'm not rich towards my spouse. I wasn't rich towards Amy yesterday, you know. We're trying to get everything ready for Auburn to graduate, and I was going crazy around the house working, and the kids are climbing on my lap while I'm trying to lay things in the you know, floor, and I'm working, and, and, um, and, and Arden doesn't help well, you know, it's two, and, and I think I'm doing a good job for Amy, and then, and then, and then she pulls this, this number on me, you know, this trick on me. Okay, let's take a poll with our phones. How many would have been upset with, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm still trying to build my, I'm still trying to build my case is what I'm doing. And so all I can say is, though, because I was all consumed about my stuff, my things, my time, my schedule, my, 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 my. I was, I was not walking in the richness toward Amy that she deserved, you know? And so what I want to do real quick, because there's so much that we can accumulate, I want you in your mind to think of two or three things that matter most to you. Can you do that for me? And if you've got pen and paper or on your iPad or iPhone, pull out your little notepad. It's yellow. Remember that? And put in there two to three, everybody's looking at me. Look down, write something on a phone. You can fake it. It's okay. Just go, oh, I'm just faking it in my hand, Pastor. But, but define what matters most. Two to three things that matter most to you and write those things down. As you're doing that, I almost drank my gum. I picked up the wrong one. So as you're doing that, you may say, Ross, I don't know what really matters. I'm not exactly sure can I, let, me, let me help help hone that in a little bit. You go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you this. You have 30 days to live. Let that set on you, okay? See, that changes everything. That speeds up the end. That speeds up us to the spot where we start looking back. But instead of doing that, we get to look forward. Wouldn't it be neat to have some looking forward, looking back kind of lifestyles, you know? Where it's like, man, I, I got to start thinking this way. And so the doctor says, you got 30 days to live. So what are you going to do the next 30 days? What's important to you at that moment? Guess what? That's what's important to you. If you start saying, I need to call mama more, call your mama. Don't wait till Mother's Day, two Sundays from now. Call mom today. Whatever it might be, but that's what's important to you. The most common question that people, when, they'll, when you ask what's important, here's what they're going to say. They'll say things like this, God, 
you know, especially if you ask a bunch of believers. God is most important to me. And, and that usually plays out into a few ways. They'll say things like pleasing God or knowing God or glorifying God or living for God. That's what's most important to me. I don't doubt that. I know that's what comes out our mouth. It's supposed to as Christ followers. Second to that, we may say things like, my family, that's my family means everything to me. My marriage, my children, leaving a legacy, letting my kids know that they can have faith in Jesus. That's important to me. And so that's kind of how those things work out. And, and then maybe even beyond that, some may even say what's important to me, my church. You know, we've got some crazy people in here that love what God is doing in this house and they serve and serve and serve. And so you ask what's important. They may say, you know what, God and my family and my church. And that's a beautiful thing. They may say making a difference or making God known. You know, I love to say that we live life for the good of others and the glory of God. And they may say something along those lines, you know. But let me tell you what will not be on the list. I'm just being honest, all right. The amount of money that we have in our bank account probably is not going to make it to that list. It just isn't, you know. I got 30 days to live. I'm not too worried about that other than legacy, other than am I leaving enough to the family. But I'm not too worried about that. I'm not worried about a single possession. The make and model of my car isn't getting on that list. It just, it just loses all sense of importance in light that I have 30 days to live. You all know Sam Croker has beat cancer, amen? We're just going to claim it in Jesus' name, amen? And Sam Croker is taking his first steps of chemo this past week. And, but, you know, when he found out he had cancer a few months ago, about two months ago, man, he's like, Pastor, we're, we're going to be there this Sunday, but you're not going to see us for three weeks. He's like, we're going to go do this, we're going to go do that, we're going to go to Disney, we're going to this, we're, you know. Because the stuff he goes, we've been putting off for so long. And he goes, I'm not saying that I'm checking out, but I know I'm going to get a little weak during chemo. I know I'm going to go through it. And so I want to do this with my kids while I'm strong. And for the next two or three Sundays, man, they were traveling and seeing. Why? Because that's what gets important real quick, you know. It's not the size of our home. It's not the size, check this, of our social media following, you know. I can remember years ago, oh, my gosh, there's like 200 and some people that know me on Facebook. Wow, I don't know what it is now. I just kind of got tired of looking at that number, you know. It's something, you know. But those aren't friends. I mean, some of them are. Some of it's family like you guys. But, man, you can't spend your whole life locked into that. And so that's not going to make the list. But here's the rub. Can you listen to this? Here's the rub. The rub is that so often the things that many people pursue... What they really go after most, they didn't show up on the list of the things that were most important to them. Right? I mean, it's, it, they, they're not on the list. And so we ask ourselves, what's important? And we can write two or three things down, but if we really judge ourselves, those aren't the things that we pursue most. And guess what? I am equally at fault with that. So, so desperately at fault for that, too. And so God, I believe, is going to help us let go of some things that have less importance, you know? Let, the, letting go of those things, that, less of what doesn't really matter, and be able to grab hold of more of what does. And so many of us, we're grasping for everything, and better, the Bible says, is one handful with tranquility than two with, with toil. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? And I, I don't know about you guys, um... I'm one of these guys that is always looking for the next thing I'm going to buy. Are, are you guys that way? Like, and it may take a long time. You know, I'm like, I'm, I might be like, hey, I'm going to get a kayak. 
And I know that's going to take me a year to save up for, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that, you know, and I'm putting my money aside and my mind's on it. And, and then I get it and I almost feel sick, you know, because like, okay, now I got this. What's the next thing I'm going to get? What am I working on now? You know, and then I feel horrible because it's like, really? That's, my life is reduced to passion for a toy of some sort, you know, although they're really cool kayaks are. But still, you know, so what does one handful living look like? What does it look like to have one handful living? Number one, if we're going to have one handful living, really, I only have like two points for you. That's about it, okay? So if we're going to have one handful living, number one, let go of what doesn't matter. Just going back to our main big overarching thought, just let go of what doesn't matter. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. There's a few things I like about this. In light of the idea of looking at your life at the end of your life and looking back, I, I picked up on this scripture and I love it. There's a crowd of witnesses. Where are they witnessing from? Heaven is what the scripture is alluding to. That they're witnessing us from heaven. And they're cheering us on in a sense as we're going through life. In other words, these are folks that know. These are ones that are already there. And so they're cheering us on. And the very first thing it says, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Throw off the stuff. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. Those witnesses know it, you know. I can also hear those witnesses hollering, saying, that extramarital affair, that relationship you're chasing, throw it off. It's not worth it. You know, don't be ensnared by that. Run with perseverance. God has so much for, more for you, you know. Whatever it might be, you know. All those extra hours at work that is because what you want to do, not because the boss is demanding it, but you're wanting to have so much. And you have no time with your family, no time with your friends, no time to serve, no time to develop legacy, real, true legacy. And I can hear those, those witnesses hollering, just throw it off. Throw off everything that hinders and that sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance that race. That word throwing off, other translations will say to cast down. Cast down. It, it literally is a picture in the Greek of a violent casting off. It's, it's not something passive. It's not me throwing down a bubblegum ball. It is throwing it hard and fierce and casting it down. It makes me think of my brother-in-law, Jeff. We were going to dirt bike one time years ago, and he's at my house, and we had this stray cat named Judah, and this was part of why I stopped liking cats, all right? And it's because of Judah, and, and, and I felt guilty because Judah kept coming, but I, she was skinny, and so I'm going to feed her. But, you know, if you feed a stray, guess what? They stay, but not in my house. And so we've got till winter to figure this out. That's how I thought in Ohio. So we kept putting food out, just being nice. But, but long story short, Jeff is putting on his dirt biking boots on my porch. And he's like this. And I'm over here sitting down. I've got my boots on. And, and all of a sudden, Jeff screams. And when I look over, little Judah had jumped on Jeff's head and was clawing the mess out of the back of his neck. It was the most crazy thing I've ever seen. So Jeff's like this, and that cat jumps off of the, the ledge here, off the, 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 the porch thing, onto his head, and he's just tearing the mess out of his neck. And Jeff, without thinking, he didn't mean to hurt poor little Judah, Christy. He didn't. He didn't. Judah was never right after this. <laughs> just being honest. But he didn't mean to. But all of a sudden, he just had to get that off of him. You ever walk into a spider web? 
you know? And you instantly learn kung fu. I mean, it's like, that was how it looked. And Jeff just knocked Judah to the ground. Poor Judah. I mean, Judah was, Judah, he just drug a foot from the, no, it wasn't that bad. But he was casting down this vicious, demonic lion that was seeking to devour, you know? And he just was casting it down. All I'm saying is that kind of fierceness. That, that man, I gotta get, I, this has got to get thrown down off of me. And so here's three things. If we're not going to um, hold on to those things, if we're going to let go of what doesn't matter, number one, we have to cut back. We have to cut back. When I say cut back, your mind instantly goes to spending. Yeah, yeah, I think spending and schedules are areas that we have to cut back in. If we're going to have a life that's better, a good life, and really make it better over the long haul, over the course of our existence, we've got to cut back in the area of spending and scheduling. When it comes to spending, it is better to have financial breathing room than to have stuff that doesn't matter. Amen? It's better. It's better. Years ago, you know, we went through stuff financially and sold our camper. And and so for the last decade, we've been tent camping. My children hate us because we've been tent camping for a decade. And two two weeks out of the year, we set it up someplace. And for whatever reason, we love Jekyll Island. Amy and I do. And we don't care that it's in late June, early July. That's where we're going. And so the girls, they've gotten older. They just hate dad and mom, you know. But we've wanted a camper for years and years. But it wasn't in the budget. They're nowhere near. A couple years ago, financially, we could do it. We could. But it would choke us. It would be one of those things where you just, just tight, 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 you know. And a few weeks ago, we were able to buy a used 2002 camper. Hallelujah. I love it. And, and so this year, we've got air conditioner. In, and we're going to have air conditioning in, in, our, in our camping trips. We're still camping because that's what we do. We just love to camp, you know. And all I'm getting at with that is we didn't want to be choked financially, you know. There was a time in Ohio, man, debt and choices, and we were choked. Every one of us has went through that, you know. I can't tell you how many times when I know people, and I'm not saying I know their income, but I know the jobs they have, so you can kind of surmise their income unless they're selling drugs. People don't talk about that, right? And I'll see cars they buy and things they have. And I'm, I'm not jealous. I'm just, I just want to go, don't be stupid. And I want to just pound them on the forehead. There's no reason for you with what you're making that you have a $550 a month car payment. We're not counting insurance. Really? You make $20,000 a year and you live in your parents' basement. Listen, parents, don't let your children be trained that way. I'm being honest. Wouldn't you like to have as much disposable income as your child? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm serious. And we do that for our kids if we're not careful, you know? Um, I'm, 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 I'm meddling now. Everybody say he's meddling. So, <laughs> all right, I'm going to stop meddling. I got things I want to say about that, but I'm not. <laughs> and so when it comes down to it, we've got to be careful. Now, when it comes to the other thing is schedules, you know? We've got to cut um, back when it comes to our schedules. If you were to ask somebody this question, hey, how you doing? You know what most people are going to say? Man, I'm busy. You hear it all the time. How you doing? Whoo, I'm busy. I'm bad at that. I'm busy. I'm busy. And then it's funny because after a while, hey, how you doing? I'm tired. I know you are. You're working so much, you know. So how you doing? I'm busy. How you doing? I'm tired. So I'm busy and I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm tired and I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm tired. Can I ask you guys a question? Be honest. I'm going to raise my hand too. How many in this house? You're tired and you're busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never, ever, ever do you ever go up to somebody and go, hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm relaxed. 
<laughs> the only people that are doing that are the ones that are in the basement of their folks' house. Again, that's another subject. So I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. You know, how you doing? Oh man, what you up to? Oh, I've been dating my wife. Cool. What you been doing? Just kids' games. Kids' games. You know, uh, that's one thing I love. I love um, um, some friends of ours. Their kids are on volleyball, big time. You know, and you, most of the time you ask the Francis, "How's things going?" Man, volleyball got games. Little, little Lindsay's killing it. You know. And, um, and, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. It's around their family. But you don't see that very often. It's just busy and tired, tired and busy. And so if you're going to have to say no to some things, if you want that to change, right? And some of those things you have to say no to are some good things in order to be able to say yes to some better things. And, and I'm getting better at that. My board is pushing hard at me with this to learn this, to be able to say no to some good things so I can say yes to some better things. And that's difficult for me. You know, And so that's the first thing. We'll just end with that one. So when it comes down to the idea of letting go of what doesn't matter, number one, cut back on some things. Number two, throw out some things. Throw out. Clean out some of the clutter in your life. Everyone that knows me knows I'm a hoarder. There's always something to use something for, right? But the thing about it, and I've learned this, and it's true, I feel it. When things get too much in my garage, I've got to sell some stuff on Craigslist. I, I hoard because I like to sell. I've always flipped stuff. So I'm always, ooh, I can make some money on that. Ooh, I can sell that. Oh, I can turn that. And so, but then my garage gets full, and Amy's like, oh, I'd like to park my car in there, you know? And so then I've got to sell some stuff. But there's this mental anxiety that comes as I get more and more. It's like, oh, there's a mental expenditure over items that you have in your life. Mental energy takes place, they say, when you have all these various items in your life. And really, most of that stuff has really no meaning from day to day. You know, when you look at old homes back in the day, guess what they had? Really, really tiny closets. And it wasn't just because they were really tiny people. Some of that was the case. But it was because they didn't need as much. You had a couple things that work clothes. And a couple things a weekend clothes, you know, your Sunday go to meet in church. I'm not saying that, that we should feel guilty for having stuff, okay? I'm just saying nowadays, have you ever seen some folks walk in closets? You get lost. It's a walk-in and around closet. Not just a walk-in. It's a walk-in and around closet, you know? And that's a bit, if you have that, that's great. But all I'm getting at is sometimes that accumulation of more and more and more, I've got to fill that space now. And then you get to a point where we've got to fill it to the point where we've got to rent space for stuff that we could care less about. And stuff in the rental unit doesn't have as much value as you've spent the last two years paying to keep it. It's truth, right? It was so funny because, you know, we just did the Easter and Woodstock thing, and we planned big because we wanted to be sure we had enough. We wouldn't run out, and we had a few hundred things left that we didn't need. And so, you know, I, I was like, well, maybe we could rent a spot to put it in storage. And Brian's like, yeah, that's smart. We'll spend 1200 bucks for $800 worth of stuff, you know. And so, um, but still, I'm like, okay, we'll tear everything apart so it's smaller, and then we'll store it here because it's 800 bucks and your pastor's cheap. So, but still, I do, I struggle with that. So, <laughs> so what does one handful of loving look like? Obviously, throwing things out. And the last one, letting go of what doesn't matter, is this. When it comes to letting go, is turning things off, you know? Turning things off. Like what? Like maybe the TV? I struggle so much with the iPhone. My kids can attest to that. 
If I'm not careful, it's hard for me to turn this off. You know, but turning that off is so important if we're going to be able to get a hold of what really matters. And so throw down, cast off, and let go of what doesn't matter. What does one handful of living look like? Last thing, number two. Number two, fight for what does matter. So we're going to let go of what doesn't matter, but we need to fight for what does matter. In Nehemiah chapter 4, it tells the story of when Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city. And the Samaritans in the north, they were not pleased or happy with this. And so they were come against him, a man by the name of Sambala and Tobias. And they're, they're attacking and cursing and coming against the Israelites as they're trying to rebuild their city. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, 14, it said, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for those things that really matter. Because you have Sambalots and Tobiases in your life that try to get you focused on lesser things. Fight for what matters. The reason why is because your life is valuable. Your calling is too great. And your God is too good for you to waste your life fighting for what doesn't matter. Auburn's graduating in a couple weeks. With that, we always do a thing with our kids when they graduate is we sit down with them. We talk through their, 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 their next steps. And, and we try to do that this week. And a thing happened where we weren't able to. Um, Auburn overslept. And so that happened. You did. Oh, don't you talk back to sash your daddy in church. <laughs> tell you. And so, long story short, today's a busy day. It's a crazy day today. We got stuff this afternoon. We've got Most Essentials tonight. But, man, that's important. And so tonight, as soon as Most Essentials is over, we're spending the next couple hours this evening with Auburn, you know, because it's important. We've got to fight for what's important. Every part of me I know tonight's going to want to go home and relax, you know, but we've got to fight for what's important. This, this week, Amy and I are going to be going, latter part of the week, um, on our 90-mile hike why? I feel guilty leaving. There's work to do. I get that. But we're fighting for what's important. It's a hike that we're supposed to do for our 20th. We married 23 years, and we're supposed to do it for our 20th, but Arden came along. And now she's old enough we can pay somebody to watch her for a week. So pray for us. But, but that's what I mean I do. We, every three months, we go away for like a day or two, just us in the hammock. And then once a year, we do a little extended. It's always been a tent camping time, but now we're starting to do these extended hikes. And it's fighting for our marriage. It's cheaper than counseling. It is. But it's fighting for our marriage. So fight for what's important. What is that? That's what's on your short list, you know? And, and really, I, I think, I do feel, and I'm going to throw up a couple things here about the church. I think on your short list should be a part of being a part of a church. I think being a short list should be a part of a journey group. I do. And right after this service, there's a journey group connect. And tonight, there's most essentials. I think that's a part. But sometimes it's like, man, I'm so busy. There's no way I could ever connect and be a part of church you know that's too too busy so I just want to ask you guys to, 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 to this afternoon write down that list and put it somewhere and take some time with it and make up in your mind that you want to be a two handful not not a two handful person that that you want to be a one handful person with tranquility because better is one handful in a good marriage amen better is one handful in children that you know Better is one handful in making a difference in life. 
Better is one handful in intimate friends. Better is one handful in a great relationship with God. Better is one handful an influence in your community. Better is one handful and margin with your finances. Better is one handful and love than toil with stress and panic and greed and a chasing after the wind. Why? Because it's infinitely better to have less of what doesn't matter so that you can have more of what does. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.